All right, let's read some scripture together. So stand with me if you would in honor of the word. And we're going to read. Last week we were in John 15. We're turning to Matthew 15 this week. That, that means nothing. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent's curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. We're stretching. God does not want us to hold back. He wants to accomplish through us everything he set out to. So don't hold back. So the way we're going to flesh this out today is Matthew chapter 15. Verse 21. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Father, we thank you for your word today. Change us with it. Renew our minds. Stretch us today. Increase our faith so we can accomplish all you set us out to accomplish. We will give you the honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, turn to your neighbor as you're being seated and say, ask anyway. Ask anyway. Ask anyway. I try to tell you a lot that that the beautiful part about the Bible is it's not just verses, it's stories. It's, it, and you gotta, you gotta see how Matthew does something with the situation before this that I think is kind of placed on purpose so you can see the juxtaposition of two different groups of people. If you go up above this story of the Canaanite woman, you see that the Pharisees are questioning Jesus about whether his disciples wash their hands or not. Really? So it was, a, it was a ceremonial thing in the law that they had to wash their hands a certain way, and evidently Jesus' disciples weren't washing their hands. <laughs> Isn't it just like Jesus to go, ah, don't worry about washing your hands. So the issue is the Pharisees come to him as if they are keeping the law and question him about how his people are not keeping the law. Jesus flips it on them, and says, yeah, they don't wash their hands, but you don't even take care of your parents. And so there was also part of the law where they were responsible for care, the care of their parents. And, and they, were, they were actually giving religious reasons why they couldn't care after their parents. And Jesus says, you're really going to come to me and hammer my guys about not washing their hands when you're breaking the law. I mean, yeah, they could get food poisoning. You're, you're, you're not taking care of your parents. It's often funny how we approach God sometimes and we realize 
that we are nitpicking this little thing when there's this huge gap in our lives. Don't we do that sometimes? We're like, God, why don't you do that? And he's like, hey, what about that over there? You're like, well, I didn't know you were looking over there. So it's a beautiful transition between how religious, self-righteous people approach God and how, and how people who are casting themselves on his mercy approach him. But if you don't read more than a verse, if you don't back up and look at it, you might miss it. And there's this beautiful picture of self-righteous indignation. How could you do that when they're overlooking huge, huge gaps in their own righteousness? Versus the woman we're going to talk about who cast herself at the feet of Jesus, begging for his mercy. You know, I think it's important as we're stretching ourselves to know what faith sounds like. And I often think faith sounds like humility when it starts out. I've changed the way I pray for people. I've changed the way I pray for myself in this context. And I think these two stories uh, put beside each other illustrate uh, the change that that I made. I I didn't do it because I read this story. I just started thinking, like, Chris, you're standing on shaky ground right now. How many of you will, will stack up a couple good days? Like maybe you went Five days in a row and read your Bible every day. You came to church on Sunday. You put the $5 in the offering plate. And you, and you just feel like, man, I'm, I feel like I got a little momentum here. Just moving along. The Lord is good. Everything's going my way. I've done, a couple, I've done five good days in a row. I haven't lost my temper. I gave my wife a compliment on the Brussels sprouts. And um, <laughs> I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place, right? And then we approach God like this. God, I have been serving you. (laughs) Wow. I've been serving you, Lord. I haven't missed my Bible in, in a week. Now, in light of my faithfulness, I need you to do this. There's a couple chuckles. You know that just more than me have prayed that prayer. In light of my faithfulness, Lord, how could you not answer my prayer? And I used to find myself praying for other people like that. Lord, here's a faithful servant. They've been serving you their whole lives, Lord, as if our righteousness can move God. So I started praying, like when I pray, I will pray like this. I will say, God, there is no reason in my life why you should do this for me. I haven't done anything worth you moving a finger on my behalf, but your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I can trust you. Even though I'm not faithful, you are nonstop faithful. And so I'll lay hands on people now and say, Lord, this is a dirt bag before you. They ain't done nothing good. There's no reason why you should heal them, but we're throwing ourselves at your feet today. You know what I just did? None of you will ask me to pray for you now. Just that quick. First time you hear that, you're like, well, I'm not that bad. What's he talking about? That means a shock to your system, isn't it? Shock to your system. But so oftentimes in church, we stack up a couple of good things and we start to argue with God while he's not acting a certain way. 
Pharisees are coming to Jesus saying, why don't your people act like this? He's like, are you really going to talk to me about washing hands when you can't do the faithful part about taking care of your own, of your own blood? You're really, we're really going to have these, this discussion here. You're, you're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna cry over this little thing when there's this huge issue over here. So sometimes, sometimes in our lives we start to stack up good deeds and we think we've got a position before God now. When really faith starts out in humility. Faith, the basis of it is the idea that God doesn't have to do this for me. That there's nothing in my life that's forcing him to. It's not a formula of if I do this, this, and this, God will see me as good and righteous and then he has to do this for me. No. No. No, the Bible is full of the idea that I'm not righteous enough. And so Jesus died for me and then when God looks down, he doesn't see my good deeds. He sees the good deeds of Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ on me, and so he doesn't punish me because he sees the righteousness of Christ, not my own. So it's not by works lest any man should boast. Amen? Salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. So after we get saved, we, we heap up a couple good things, and then we go, oh, you know, I, I should get mine. I should get mine. I shouldn't have to ask but one time for this. If you have kids or you were a kid, which I think that's pretty much everybody, right? Firstborn was 10 pounds. I never called her a kid. Just like, you're pretty much ready to eat steak. <laughs> so, and he, I didn't even remember going into a grocery store or, or Walmart or what was before Walmart. I don't know. Kmart. Yeah. So, if I remember taking your kids in there, you would tell them before you go in the building, don't you dare ask for anything. Don't ask. And you would almost get panicked anxiety going into a store. Because we had three kids. There was, it, was, it was multiplied. Not just one kid asked. You have three at the same time. Dad, can we, Mom, can we, can I? Shut up. So you threaten them, all kinds of things, and then they get in the store, and what would happen? They'd ask anyway. Now, we, we had some, some fashion of success with this a little bit, but what, what I really struggled with with one of our kids was they would touch everything. And I would just say, like, we're going we're gonna to act like we're in a different country. You touch it. And, like, I'm, I'm not playing. Pull his belt off right now. I'll never forget we were in Target, and I had told them a thousand times, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't put it back, don't touch it. You don't need to touch it. You can't afford to buy it. You don't need to touch it. Don't touch it. I walk in an aisle, and they've got a glass lantern thing swinging it like this. <laughs> Guess what happens? <laughs> I'm like, is anybody looking? I'd send my wife out to the end of the aisle. I'm like, look both ways. If there's anybody from our church here, warn me when they come around the corner, right? I'm like, what are you doing? Pick it all up. We're going to the front. You're going to pay for it. And you know what? People that work at department stores don't help because they're like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not. He needs to pay. I call the police. What are, he's, he's tried to steal it. He tried to steal it. 
That's what he's doing. He broke it in little pieces, tried to, he was going to put it all in his pocket, and then glue it back together, and we got him. Like, I'm just trying, like, you're not helping me teach him a lesson. We get, I'm like, they're going to make you pay. And they're like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Kids have the ability to ask anyway. But we lose that when we become adults. We lose that. We have a, we have a, we have like a, a capacity of asking. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like asking a bunch. I'm just like, hey, if you want to, if you want to do it, you'll do it. If not, I'm not going to beg you. If you want to give it, you'll, you know, I'm just like, if, like, if you want to do this, you'll do it. I'm not going to keep knocking and asking and knocking. I just, I'm like, it is what it is. And so I give up pretty quick. The beautiful thing about this story is that we're learning how to stretch our faith in the sense that we ask anyway. Now on the surface, this may seem really weird. You're reading in scripture where it seems like Jesus is a racist. I mean, on the surface value, if you just read it for the first time, he's like, hey, you're, you're from, you're a Canaanite. I ain't given anything to a dog. But I want to warn you that you can't, first of all, Jesus is not a racist. He came to give salvation to everyone. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believe would not perish. So here we find Jesus is withdrawing himself after this ridiculous conversation with the Pharisees. The disciples don't understand some of the stuff he said. He's trying to teach them. And he withdraws to this area towards the coast that is, um, doesn't necessarily say he goes into Canaanite territory or where this woman lived, but he was in the area. And so she happened to be in the area, so she approaches him. And she says to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And I, I want you to understand that the first step of faith, the first step of stretching yourself is to approach God as if he owes you nothing. Recognize who he is. This is what faith sounds like. You're the son of God. You're the son of David. I recognize who you are. Have mercy on me, please. I'm bringing nothing of value to you right now except recognition that you're God and that you're the one who is sent and I'm, I have no position in front of you, just mercy on my behalf. Can you hear my prayer? My daughter is demon-possessed and is terribly stricken by this. There's something instantly healing about casting your feet, casting your care at the feet of Jesus. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Because watch this, if you get into a habit of only praying when you stack up a couple good days, you won't pray much. Because if you only approach God when you feel like you have a, a platform to approach him, then you'll spend half of your life never approaching him. And so what has to happen is we have to understand that faith is operated through Christ's mercy. And so we can throw ourselves at his feet. Not based on anything we've done and say, listen, you're the son of God. Have mercy on me. I need something right now. I'm going to ask anyway. So Jesus' response is totally unexpected, even to his disciples. It says that he doesn't even acknowledge her. Says nothing. 
He says nothing. He doesn't look down and say, hey, listen, just give me a second. Deal with these knucklehead disciples over here. I'll get to you next. You're, you know, we just want to let you know that your call is valuable to us. You're the fourth person in line. So he doesn't even acknowledge she's there. Now, how, how many of you like music? Raise your hand. Uh, it, it's so fun. Our, our kids are driving. I about went into a panic attack the other day. I was back here, and my son Carter will be 15 in August, which totally slipped my mind. And, um, and I heard him talking to some younger kids, and he goes, yeah, I'll be driving in, in August. And he didn't know. I was, I was like, oh, 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 yeah, he will. Oh, my God. So here's what happens to us. Uh, my, both of my daughters drive, and um, so my middle daughter's driving the car now. And I don't see my other one very often, but so she's the one pulling in it in the evening after work. Last night she did it, pulls in, and the um, where she pulls in, our living room is right there, so I can kind of see out the window when she pulls in, and I can hear everything that's going on because they have the stupid radio turned up so loud that the neighbors can hear it. So I hear when they pull in the drive, boom, boom, boom. And the funny part is for me, when I, when I pull up drive, I'm, I don't care what's on the radio, I'm turning off, I'm getting out. It's time to go in the house. They will sit there till the song ends. <laughs> like, not, like going like this. And I'm watching them the whole time. That must be a good song. We will listen to a song all the way to the end. And that fascinates me because oftentimes songs have breaks in them. If you were in music class or you played in a band uh, in, in high school, what would happen, or middle school, what would happen is, is you would learn that songs had rest spots on purpose, right? You would say, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, rest, rest, one, right? You remember that? Band? Nobody freaked out about, you, you didn't go, whoa, 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 rest. You mean we're not playing any music? Well, then it's not music if we're not playing. No, 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 settle down. It's part of the song. So you never walked out of a concert and went, dude, they stopped playing for like four beats. I'm out of here. Like, I'm not doing this. I remember being a, when I was a youth pastor, being at a, a youth convention that we had went to and we're kind of sitting up front. One of the few years we looked like we knew what we were doing, sitting up front and all. So we're sitting up front, and this band, this is 10, 15 years ago, this band that was really popular in that, in that uh, era was playing. And, uh, and they, they were playing the song. And then total silence except for the echo. And it seemed like it lasted forever. And you're just like. Oh. You ever been to a concert like that? And then it's. And I looked around. I was like, God's Jesus is coming right now. I'm like. I looked at the guy next to me. I was like, I've never experienced anything like that. They paused twice as long as I expected and then crushed. It was amazing. We never anticipate breaks in our communication with God, even though it might be part of the music. Because what happens is 
we're just used to this constant sound, this constant sound, this kind of God's got to respond, God's got to respond, God's got to respond. But a pause in the music does something to you. It like gives you space for your ears to get prepared for what's coming. It's sort of like this on purpose, like this. Da-da-da, ba-da-da. It, and, it, and the amazing, amazing thing is it's beautiful when it's done right. And what happens to us in the church is God will be silent and we'll turn the radio off as if the song's finished, but the song's not finished. And so we get to a place where we're like, I like the constant. I like him answering immediately. I like the beat. I like everything that's going on. And you feel like you're in this rhythm with God. And then all of a sudden, but guess what? When you're playing music, the rhythm doesn't stop because the music stopped. When you're playing, if any of you play music, Go to middle school band concert, and even when they're not playing, the kid's going. And you're like, dude, you can stop patting your feet. It's supposed to be silent right now. But they teach them, just keep patting your foot. Because if you don't keep patting your foot, you won't come back into rhythm. But when we hear the music stop, we go, well, he's not answering anymore. Game's over. And so we could take a year out of 75 years and quit the song. You say, well, he hasn't answered me in a year. It's a long song. (laughs) So you're going to quit the song out of six months over 20 years? You're going to quit the song over a year, over 70? You're going to quit this? You're going to quit a marriage over three months, over 50 years? Because it doesn't seem like he answered, because it seemed like there might have been a rest in the music. The problem is, is that we quit tapping our feet. It was fine when we, the music made sense. It was fine. When, but when they break, well, maybe it wasn't real. Maybe he, maybe he wasn't going to, and maybe he never was going to answer. Maybe. But here's what I find out. The pause always sets you up for something great coming. At that concert, I just thought, you're just, <laughs> everybody stopped. And then, <laughs> God jumped in the crowd. We're like, ah. No, that didn't happen. It was a Christian concert. <laughs> we oftentimes quit before we come back out of the break. And what happens is, This woman asked anyway. It says Jesus was silent, but it didn't say she was. She kept asking through the break. I'm still tapping my foot over here. The song hadn't ended. I can still see him. It looks like he's ignoring me right now, but I know he's in the building. It looks like he's not answering my prayer right now, but I can see him standing there not looking at me. Now, here's the frustrating part for me. Because the disciples looked at him and said, send her away. She won't quit asking. She won't quit bugging us. She won't stop. She's still tapping her foot. And we're trying to tell her the song's over. What you realize, the song wasn't over. Here's my concern. That sometimes, as a church, we can want to send people away because their break is longer than we thought it should be. You're still praying for that? I mean, come on, you got to move on. 
You're, you're still asking. It's been 10 years. You're still asking God for that? Come on, you're going to have to move on. And we're standing beside Jesus going, hey, just send them away. Because they're still asking for the same thing they were asking 10 years ago. And it's not working. And we need to move on. We need to do something else. And, and my fear is, is that we can, we can judge people's breaks as if the song has ended and it hasn't. You're still praying for your marriage. Why? You're still doing this. Why? You're still praying for God to supply. Why? It's been so long. Just move on, move on, move on. Come on. This is getting so irritating. We're, you know, we're the church is trying to move forward and you're back here praying about that. What if we just tapped our foot with everybody and said, hey, I don't think your song stopped yet. I don't think the music is shut off yet. Just keep asking. I know it seems like it's been a season. I know the break has seemed longer than what you anticipated. I know there hasn't been an answer when you wanted it. But how about you keep tapping your foot and as a church, we'll stand around you and wait. We'll stand around you and remind you the song's still playing. We'll stand around you and remind you that this isn't the end of the song, just like you wouldn't get out of the car till the end, just like you wouldn't leave the concert because there's a few measures of break. It's a break on purpose by God. He may be retuning your ears. He may be, he may be readjusting your situation. He may be getting ready to come back with a jump off of the drum platform into the crowd kind of break that's going to shock everybody. And we just need to keep tapping our foot and keeping time, right? Just need to cap, tap on our foot and keep it time. Lord, send her away. She's bugging us. She won't stop asking. She won't stop asking. Now, here's where this gets murky. Because it's better to think God is not asking than him to give us a reason that we don't understand. <laughs> Watch this. I'm going to tell you something. This is the worst response I've ever think. think I've, Jesus well, we don't give food to dogs. And I'm like, what did he just say? What did he just say? And they wrote it in the book. <laughs> Jesus is pointing out the cultural problem here. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus didn't point it out then. She did. Why are you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan? This was something that was going on. Jesus didn't invent this. He was just pointing out the obvious to the lady. Hey, there's some cultural clashes here. We got to be honest about this. Hey, listen, as a church, do you think we can keep rhythm with people who aren't the same culture? You better learn. You better learn because the church doesn't look like you. The whole church doesn't look like you, doesn't talk like you, doesn't live like you. Like I'm, God's exposed me to people in the past five years and I'm like, wow, this thing's diverse. This thing's diverse. It don't look like me. I've been in the context where no one looks like me. So Jesus isn't saying, I'm a racist. You don't deserve any of this. He's saying, here's the cultural problem at hand. Here's what you've heard before. Here's what, here's what you're used to hearing. Here's the way this is running down. Here's the way. Listen, you know who I was called to. We don't give food to dogs. Watch this. One of the biggest mistakes I've ever seen people do, including myself, is to keep praying through a break, but then when God responds in a way that you don't initially understand, you quit anyway. Why would you work all the way through the pause 
and then stop when you don't understand. You work through the difficult part. Stop when you don't understand. Stop when you don't understand. You know what the amazing part is? Is that, is that here she is, and he says, hey, listen, we don't do this. We don't give food to dogs. And he says this, or she says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You know what I want my faith to be? Is when I've worked through the pause and God comes to me with something I don't understand, say, yeah, but you're merciful. <laughs> I know what it looks like here, but, but you're merciful. You can't get out of that. I've already read in Lamentations where your mercies are new every morning, that your faithfulness endures, that, you, that you're always, I've already, you know what? I'm not, you couldn't keep me away on the pause, and now I don't understand what, I, now I know for a fact I don't even deserve it, but I'm still here asking anyway. I'm not going to take no. I'm not going to take no on this. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep asking. She could have said, there's so many reasons why I shouldn't ask. There's so many reasons. He's right. I'm a Canaanite, and, and he's a Jew, and, he, and, and he, God's sending salvation to the Jews first, and, and I understand all that, and I know I'm out of place. I probably shouldn't ask. And you can work through your mind, and the devil will put thoughts in your head. 101 reasons why you don't deserve it, why you shouldn't ask, why you screwed up in the past, why you're not the right color, why you're not the right job, why you're not the right, right socioeconomic status, why you didn't come from the right place or the right parents. But guess what? Take a lesson from this woman and say, there's enough left over that you can give me what I need in your mercy. Amen. Ask anyway. Ask it. I'm oftentimes put to shame by my African friends in, in Kisi, Kenya, when he prays and I go, I don't have enough guts to ask for that. But he asked anyway. He asked anyway. And I come up with 15 reasons why, oh, well, you know, I don't understand. I'm not going to. And, he, and he'll look, well, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we ask anyway? Why wouldn't we keep asking? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Now, here's something. Let me give you, let me give you a reason. The band's going to come up. We're going we're gonna to end here. Let me give you a reason why I think that as Americans, we have trouble asking anyway. Watch this. If my hunch is right, you always have a plan B. You do. I have a friend uh, who's crazy, but... Um, uh, he's, he's a funny guy, and he would, he would tell me, he's like, man, when I'm driving down the interstate, he's like, I'm looking, all, I'm looking way far in advance. I'm, I'm planning exit strategies. And I'm like, dude, for what? He's like, I'm just, I'm prepared. I'm like, I'm like it's, it's, it would be nerve-wracking riding with you. Like, you're planning to whip your car off the road to avoid something. Like, you, you're thinking about it up front. And I know, you know, defensive driving and all that stuff. But he's, he can explain the process to me. I'm like, you've got a, that thought out that every time you get in the vehicle, you're like, all right, all right what is he going to do? All right. It's like plan B, man. You've got to have a plan B. You've got to have a plan B. The problem with us as Americans is we always have a plan B. 
Lord, I need you to provide, but if you don't, I got a credit card. So what I'm actually telling him is, if you don't provide within this window, if you take a pause, or then you respond in a way I don't understand, I've got a backup plan. I don't need you after that. I don't need you after that. I got a backup plan. Because when it comes right down to it, I'm not praying in the groceries. Not going to happen. Come to our marriages. They're like a lot of the appliances in our homes. We don't get them fixed anymore. We throw them away and get another one. Right? And so what happens is we go, Lord, I'm going to pray. If you don't fix it in this window, I got a plan B. (laughs) He works with me or she works with me. I've already set it up. I got a plan B. Like, I don't think you're, the pause has caused me to doubt. And then your response caused me to doubt. So I'm not asking anymore because plan B actually looks better than what you were getting ready to give me. So I'm going to take plan B. Plan B, plan, we just have it. Can I present to you this morning that when you run out of plan B's, you will throw yourself at the mercy of God and you will ask until you don't have breath to ask anymore. And when your circumstance gets to the point where you say, I've got no other option, there's a humiliating thing that happens when you're out of options and you can humble yourself before God and throw yourself at his feet and say, I'm going to ask anyway. I know I don't deserve any of this stuff, but I have no other option. And when you see the determination on this woman, there was no other way for her child to be made whole but Jesus. And so she said, you can call me whatever you want to call me. You can wait as long as you want to wait, but I'm not leaving and I'm not giving up. I don't care if your disciples tell me to leave. I'm not going anywhere. I don't have any other options. I'm going to stay here and pray and ask and ask and ask anyway until you move on my behalf. So if you're sick of me talking, you better do something about it. telling you to throw away your credit cards because you get points and all that stuff and that's another sermon you gotta you gotta be strategic about it but I'm I'm looking for a church that's desperate that you're not satisfied with what with with what's happening right now you're not satisfied with just the the normal status quo you're not satisfied with just reaching out a little ways you're not satisfied with with what's happening in your life right now and you will sit at the feet of God and ask anyway you'll ask you'll say I don't deserve any of this my life has nothing in its history to make you do anything for me but I'm learning one thing from this woman I will ask and keep asking because I am not going to settle for anything else but you telling me that my faith moved you and that it happened in an instant. And so the beautiful thing about this is that woman sat there and said, actually, I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna keep asking, I'll eat the crumbs off the table. Whatever you toss my way will be good enough for me. And Jesus said, your faith is amazing. And in a moment, her kid was healed. And so what I'm telling you this morning is you may have had a year or two years or 10 years of difficulty and you're not sure what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. Plant yourself at the feet of Jesus and remind him every day, I'm asking anyway. You don't have any reason. You don't have any 
any backup, I'm asking anyway. If nobody will stand around and tap their feet, I'm going to ask anyway. I'm going to ask anyway, God, and sooner or later, the music will start back up again, and I'll be healed. Sooner or later, you'll provide for me. Sooner or later, you'll make a way where there seems to be no way. But for the moment, I'm going to ask anyway. Come on, stand up to your feet. Let's give him honor and glory this morning. Amen. Come on, lift your hands up to him today. Father, we have no standing with you other than Christ. We have no righteousness in front of you except his. It was his shed blood for us. And when you look down, you see him. And we are thankful for that. Lord, we are not deserving of anything that you would do for us. And Lord, we're not even coming to you acting like we understand what's going on, but we need you this morning. We need you to heal. We need you to redeem. We need you to set free. We need you to provide like never before. And I know there may seem like there's been a pause, God, but we're tapping our feet through the pause. We're, we're, we're asking even though we don't understand. And God, we are planning ourselves in front of you on our knees, casting ourselves on your mercy and your grace and your faithfulness, asking anyway, Lord, do it in spite of us. Do it through us, Lord. Do it in an instant, God, just like you did with the woman's child. God, we pray for marriage to be restored in an instant because we were persistent with you. We pray that you provide in an instant, Lord, because we asked anyway. We pray that you'd heal in an instant, Lord, because we asked anyway. Do it this morning. Stretch us today to ask one more time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor today? If you believe he's answering that prayer, 